Good evening and welcome to Voice of the Soul podcast. Tonight's empowered living topic is removing blocks that destroy your dreams. My name is Lenny. This particular theme is something that I have been integrating into the other podcasts in the last few weeks, although it might seem a little bit different than something else that you've listened to. There seems to be a calling, and I'll actually say it's a calling from the other side, the divine reality side where we all originated, that we need to align and connect with positive, empowering information and to pull away and denounce and fight, if necessary, the collective consciousness of the egoic mind, which is the mobilization of dark energy caused by the negativity and the fear on this earth plane. Since I truly believe that we came here in order to become the best person that we're supposed to be, and to leave an imprint through our own personal legacy on this world that is positive, it's important that I speak to what keeps us from doing that. Removing the blocks that destroy our dreams comes back to the very core of the philosophy that I believe in, and that is that we come here repeatedly, which means obviously I believe in reincarnation, not that we come here to be dogs, even though I know some dogs are much better people than people, But we don't come here to become a dog, and the dogs don't come here to become people. People incarnate as people, dogs incarnate as dogs, cats as cats, etc., etc. But I do believe that we come here over and over and over if we drop out of the classes in the School of Life. If you didn't do the School of Life podcast last week, it would be helpful for you to go listen to it and get the foundation of what this belief system really is and how it's broken down. It isn't something that I created, although it's a hodgepodge, if I can just call it that, of many, many different philosophies put together that work for me and have worked for the people that I share it with, my clients, people who I have worked with spiritually and personally, to be able to take multiple belief systems and multiple writings and integrate them into life so that we become empowered without thinking that there's only one path to God. I do not believe there is one path to God, and I don't think you even need to call it God. So as blasphemous as that might sound, we can start with that. I'm an ordained Christian minister, so I am considered a Christian. Although I am very, very, very engaged in Native American spirituality, the metaphysical, mystical version, I am also very engaged in studying anything that helps us awaken to the divinity of who we are and what is in the universe to help guide this life. I believe there are multiple paths to awakening that. And whether somebody is a Muslim or they are Jewish or they are Christian or they're Native American or, or they don't know what they are has no bearing on whether they should be judged or, or we should say we know more than they know. But what we do want to do is be open enough to allow a spiritual wisdom come through 
that in some cases might have been something our parents absolutely said, wow, you, that's just the work of the devil. I don't believe in a devil except for the one that we become when we're the worst possible self we can be. And that there is mobilized energy that is incredibly negative that can seem demonic. But as far as an actual person running around trying to make us do bad deeds, I don't believe in that. Uh, I do believe in a very powerful divine energy that is trying to reach us to awaken our own divine energy. I believe that we are the offspring of a creator that is good and powerful and it gave us free will. And some of us decided to take that free will into a bad place. And some of us decided to take that free will into a good place. And thus the cycle of reincarnation began. If we did a bunch of bad deeds, we hurt a bunch of people and we didn't make amends for that, then we had to come back. We came down to the school of life to co-create life. If we did a bad job of that co-creating life and we hurt people and we had actions that needed to be repaired, we had to re-enroll in class and come back and take the same classes over and over and over and over and over again. That's why the School of Life podcast from last week would be a good one to listen to to get the overview. But even if you don't listen to that, you should be able to get it by the end of this podcast. There lives within us the divine creation of the creator itself that created us. It's a divine DNA and it's inside our heart center and it radiates our entire being And we are made up of that divine stuff. It's who we are. The problem is when we were given free will to be and do whatever we wanted to do, we allowed part of ourselves to just kind of take off and misbehave. I'm going to make it kind of elementary. And as we did that, we created a dark side of ourselves. And that dark side of ourselves is the ego. It's the part of us that wants that wants, 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 and has no sense of how to get what it wants without using or abusing other people. It has an incredible, insatiable desire to be greedy and to have anything that is materialistic or physical, all things that are earthbound, things of the earth that are not essentially positive that are basically about dominating people, animals, the world itself. And as we went through different lifetimes, we were given the opportunity to create a part of us that would put the ego into submission. And finally, once and for all say, you're done running this life. I'm not going to let you run my life. The ego starts off a little bit subtle. It might start off by doing things that have to do with being complacent, watching too much TV, not really investing much in life, just kind of being lackadaisical. But ultimately, when the ego is left unattended and unmanaged, and we let it take off with our life, we become an addict. And an addict can be anything. It can be not eating enough and acting like we're super fit and we're just have the perfect little tiny body because we don't eat anything because we're anorexic. We can be 600 pounds overweight because food is what the addict uses in order to control us. We need to eat, 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 eat. 
It can be money, spend, 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 or dominate people because we have more than they have. Look how important I am. So I'm going to buy these things and then I'm going to control you and I'm going to cram it down your throat. Then it can be sex, too much sex, sex without any um, discretion. It can be sex hurting other people, infidelities, uh, using sex as an addiction is an ugly thing. Probably the ugliest, biggest addiction that we're facing on this planet right now alcohol, heroin, um, pills. It, it's huge. Addiction itself is the most dangerous part of what an addict can turn us into, but we have the power to say no. We are empowered to live and breathe and grow into the best evolved us we can and imprint this world with this amazing essence of who we really are, then we can graduate and we don't have to come back here again. Although I believe there are many, many, many existences in other galaxies and other realities that we can choose to be born into in another time, we don't have to come back to this earth that is very painful and difficult. And all of the lessons that we came here to learn are the blocks that the ego has put on our path so that we don't grow. If we master this life by going through the classes that were given to us and created by a whole divine hierarchy of beings that said, you need to go back and you need to finish this class and this class and this class, and you need to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes. Cause if you do, you're going to go back and you're going to do it again and again and again and again until you get it right. And I, for one, as I've said before, don't want to come back here again. So all of the things that I'm trying to do in my life now are about trying to empower to see what my addict is trying to do or my ego, because I was an addict for years and years and years. So then now how do I control the ego or keep the ego at bay so that it doesn't control me so that I can do the things that I came here to do that are positive. And so the blocks that get in our way become incredibly important. If we understand just a few of those blocks and we master those, we can bring the best us into the world. And right now at this stage in this earth's life, there is this calling being sent out and asking for the divine ones to gather, to mobilize, to bring positive, incredible energy into this world in order to counteract all the negative mass consciousness, the collective egoic mind that is so dark and so ugly that it's like black quicksand and it's up to our knees and we feel like we're getting sucked in. At the very best, it's a black fog where we just feel complacent and tired and just unmotivated and uninspired and, and nothing really feels right. It doesn't feel good. Imagine the hundreds of millions of people that are in this world that are fearing, fearing, let's say our own government and the way this country that is supposed to be setting an example has stampeded upon the light and the good to create all of these factions that are independently about their own power, their own egoic power. Uh, I, there has never been such a misogynistic egoic energy as there is right now that is trying to 
multiply itself by calling in other egos to ride the same wave. And since people are basically weak, they look for these, what look like leaders who basically are just really strong egos and they ride the energy of suppressing other people, judging other people, making life miserable for other people so that they can have power. And they take no responsibility for how they hurt others. They don't even see that they hurt others because they're narcissistic in most cases. And in some cases, they're megalomaniac narcissists. And many, many, many of those people are in our government. And so as our government mobilizes this dark and negative energy, we aren't just affecting this world, this world that is our country. We are affecting the planet at large because instead of creating a vibrational energy of peace and love and harmony and light that helps humanity, we're creating a place of fear and angst and distrust where other people are wondering, what are we going to do as a country that can eventually hurt them because we have that much power? So those of us who want to make a difference have to mobilize we have to remove the blocks that get in the way of us as individuals and mobilize the light energy of who we are to be better people. And we have to be better people and fight for causes that make change right now. And depending on when you listen to this podcast tomorrow on March 24th of 2018, there is going to be a March on Washington by a bunch of teenage kids now, they're going to have a whole bunch of people with them, but they're marching in order to fight for gun control because of the massacre that happened in their own high school. And these 16, 17-year-old kids have mobilized an entire generation, not just theirs, but generations even beyond them, to say, you know, this isn't okay. And just so you know, we're not going away. Things will change or by the time you're ready to get reelected, we're going to vote you out. And I love it because the rest of us who are sitting around all complacent and yawning and watching too much news about how we don't have any power, um, we can learn by looking at these kids who are impassioned and are saying, never again. We've got to make sure this doesn't happen again. You know, they've seen their friends die. They have seen our government stall. You know, they've watched, you know, big business and, and big politics get in the way of changes that are absolutely necessary. And yet they said, we're going to do this. We're going to get out here. We're going to make a difference. We're going to speak. We're going to have a voice. We're going to make a difference. And every one of us needs to have that kind of passion. And if we can't have it because we feel weak, then support those that do. When we talk about the blocks that get in the way, I'm going to break it down because it's important that we see that the ego uses these blocks to keep us from growing and keep us from acting and keep us from doing what we came here to do. Some of these blocks will seem simple, but some of them are not simple. They're big. And in order to move them, you got to be aware of them. You have to say, God, I do that. You know what? I am, I'm not perfect by any means. So I'm just sharing even some of these blocks are my own so that you can see maybe you've got the same block. But when I watch a 17-year-old kid stare down a senator 
and ask him a question that an, most adults would be quaking in their boots to ask and actually demanding an answer, it makes me realize that these old souls that are in these bodies of these 17 year olds have started a movement. And that movement is calling all of us to do something that matters. Maybe it's not with, you know, the group that they are and what they're doing, but you can sure support what it is that they're trying to do. And anything else that comes up that you know is part of your own soul voice saying, yes, 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 yes. Listen to that. Do that. Take action on that. So let's talk about how to break it down in a simple way. Because I know I'm getting amped up and I'll get fired up and, and I'm trying to pull back from name dropping and slamming and, and turning it into a, a huge ugly debate because this is truth. We can be an evil person or we can be a good person. As a soul, we have a divine attachment to a divine creator that says you were born to bless that planet. And when you came there, you came with tools and abilities to help the planet and its contents, its inhabitants, people, animals, the environment heal. And if you're engaging in things that are doing nothing more than fanning your own ego and your own desires because it feels good, you are going to absolutely regret it because whether you suffer it in this lifetime, you will suffer it in the next because karma does not go away. And even if you ignore it, it still exists. And even if you say, I don't believe in it, well, you'll find out that it does exist as you sow, so shall you reap. So if you choose to ignore it, just know that everything you throw out there that hurts somebody is going to come back, pressed down and running over. The same with what good you do as you do good things in the world and you make good choices and you help people that is also amplified to bless your life with abundance and love and health and healing and creative spiritual expressions and everything that you long for. But first you have to decide what you're going to take care of. And it isn't just about your own personal agenda. It's the world agenda. It's the earth's agenda. It's the spirit agenda. It's a divine agenda. And the agenda number one is to master the ego so that it doesn't create any more hell on this earth to master your personal ego so that it doesn't become part of the collective ego. And the collective ego right now is the negative mass consciousness that is scaring the hell out of the rest of the world and scaring the hell out of those in this world who don't feel like they have any power. Then there's the divine mind. The divine mind is the collective consciousness of those of us who want to make a difference, who tap in to the divine creation of the alchemical mystical Jesus, the divine being who came here to teach us that we were gods, that we were powerful individual co-creators of this universe and that we needed to use the God energy in order to master this world and become co-creators with positive, empowering realities. And we have to choose which one's going to be alive, breathing and growing within us. The ego, 
which will lead us to addiction or the divine self, which is going to lead us to why we came here connected to a hierarchy of beings who are mobilizing right now as an army of light to create change in this world, to create an awakening in this world. And you want to be on the right side of that war, I assure you. So let's talk about where we can, first of all, take some of the probably simpler distractions that the ego is notorious for using. Television and technology are by far its greatest weapon when it comes to breeding complacency. And television right now is more destructive than just hanging out and watching too much because the news media is all about fear and anxiety and just, you know, we're going to hell in a handbasket, as my mom used to say, and that everything that is happening is happening that is so horrific. What are we going to do about it? Um, here's the thing that bothers me. Um, you can get news so that you feel like you're up to date, but you can't have a steady diet of news or you become that consciousness. The biggest problem with news is that it doesn't tell you what to do to fix it. It just keeps feeding you the problem over and over and over again with different intensity, different channels, different experiences, just a little bit different haste so that it gets mixed up enough that it's palatable, but it doesn't tell you how to fix it. If they're going to lay out all these things that are wrong, then leave us with something we can do that can help, that can mobilize positive energy to help the world. I tell my clients, shut it off. Honest to God, shut it off. Listen to a little bit to get updated watch it or read it on your phone because that's the best way to not get integrated into it too much. Um, if you like a personal personality that's, um, you know, doing a particular news channel, then watch it for a short period of time and then shut it off and then trade what you just watched with something positive. So you're not just mentally stewing in the negativity. One of my favorite ways to get news is through really brilliant comedians that are doing news as their expression. People like John Oliver, people like Trevor Noah, uh, John Daly, Stephen Colbert. Um, did they, John Daly? No, not John Daly. No, I've totally, well, anyway, uh, the, there are people out there, the Daily Show used to have all these different people. Now they're broken off and have their own shows. And uh, Samantha B, they're excellent, excellent comedians. They're brilliantly educated on everything that has to do with government and politics. So when you listen to them, they're actually giving you updated news that is legitimate, but then they're turning it around so you're laughing. And the best thing to do is to laugh at it, yet realize it's, it's a serious situation that needs something to be done about it, but to not take it in where it amplifies fear. That's why they're so perfect to tune into them versus regular commentators, because they're acting like commentators with a whole bunch of wisdom, with a, a great deal of humor and intense understanding that makes us go seriously seriously. And then, and then find a way to morph 
the information to something's palatable. If you do that, that's not so bad. So look around for them, find them if you're a news junkie. But be really careful to pick and choose how much you're going to be tuning into it. And then find out what you can do to make a difference. Like these kids that are marching on Washington about gun control. Can you donate to help their march? You know, there are, uh, do you want to march yourself? Do you want to take your own uh, grandkids and march or your, your own kids at march? Or do you want to just go do something that helps organizations that are trying to change gun law? Uh, there's a lot of things you can choose to do, but you got to take an action. You can't just sit back and watch it and know somebody else is going to do it. If you don't want to take an action, then donate, you know, because everybody needs money to move a mission. And everybody that has a mission loves the idea that people support them financially because most of them don't have any money. They start off with just a holistic attitude of, I want to make a difference. Then people have to mobilize behind it so that they can be supported. There are causes that you can be a part of that can help you feel empowered. And that's a very important thing to do. When we move through these topics of what are the blocks, what truly are the blocks that are keeping us off of our path. These are legitimate blocks that the ego has created from lifetimes of knowing our Achilles tendon, knowing what is our Achilles tendon, what is the weakness and how do I, how does it attack it? And by knowing it, it uses these and we can fight it by creating the opposite connection to our divine soul, the voice of our soul so that it can guide us. And so we can do things that empower us to become connected to like-minded individuals that do things that empower us to fight the dark side. It's that simple, taking the powerful divine DNA within to fight the dark side and the dark side that is mobilized with lots and lots of money needs those of us that have gifts and talents and truths and beliefs to mobilize and to do what is ours to do. But before we can do that, we have to understand what's in the way. What are the blocks? It's like you're walking down your path going, okay, I want to do it right this time. I want to do it right this time. I'm going to battle that ego into submission, or sometimes I'm going to ignore the ego. I'm going to completely ignore it. And that doesn't mean that you can ignore what it's up to, but just not giving any energy by just turning away from it and finding something to do. Most of the time you need to do a little bit more taking on the good and evil battle part of the ego because it's that strong. Okay. In using quotes, as I've said before in the podcast, the goal is to be able to use quotes that help you feel like you can connect to it and that that, that particular quote will imprint in a place that is, um, important enough that you'll remember it. Challenges are one of the first things that can take us out because we can look at a challenge as something devastating. And I've experienced many, if I made a list, most people wonder why I'm still here. So challenges can definitely be one of the greatest tools. And I'm going to keep saying greatest tools, greatest tools, but one of the weapons that creates the block that the ego will say, oh my God, now look what you're into. Here are some quotes on challenges. The first one is by Helena Royce. Challenges demand we choose which master we will serve, the ego or the soul. 
Their purpose is to liberate us from earthbound complacency and empower us with the spiritual wisdom to master our life. So when challenges come up, no matter what they are, those challenges are there to empower us to choose which master we're going to allow to come into our life and guide it and run it. Is the master going to be the soul or is the master going to be the ego? Because challenges happen. This is a person called Elias Ford. Challenges and hardships exist in the human spirit that the soul may prove itself. I can't tell you how many challenges I have been through in my lifetime that I wasn't sure I would survive. And knowing that there was something deeper in charge, even at my weakest point, this tiny, tiny whisper of a voice telling me not to give up that got louder and louder and louder and louder as I let her in, as I let her tell me I was going to be okay, that this was part of my soul path, that it's going to guide me through it. And then I'm going to come out the other side intact and not just intact, evolved so that each challenge as I overcome it, I become evolved so I can help. I can help the world in some way in whatever is mine to do. The next thing that can really block our path, and these are all simple and there's not that many because I really just want you to focus on the ones that have a tendency to stop you in your tracks in a simple, complacent way. And then we'll talk about some of the bigger ones. Lack of forgiveness. I've been burned many times in my life and been burned by people I love to the point to where I could gasp and say, how could you do that to me or my family or whatever? But that absolute bitter, angry ego side of myself that would fight an injustice to the point to where sometimes we're supposed to fight an injustice. We're supposed to strap on our armor and as a warrior, step in there and say, you will not do that to me or to the people that I love. And sometimes we're supposed to learn from the injustice and forgive it and let it go so that it doesn't own us. This quote's long, but it's really important. I eventually came to understand that in harboring the anger, the bitterness and resentment towards those that hurt me, gave them control over me. Forgiving was not about accepting their words and deeds. Forgiving was about letting go and moving on with my life. In doing so, I had finally set myself free. Set myself free. The anger that I held on to because of some injustices that happened to me, and I mean, they were huge injustices that impacted my family and impacted my life. Um, you can simultaneously wear your armor and go into battle and, and fight because sometimes you have to, you're supposed to, because somebody else might need a lesson that only you can provide by fighting, but then letting go, letting go and forgiving because you get held hostage and imprisoned by your own inability to let go. And it doesn't serve anything not to let go. You just stay in that same loop of an injustice. How could they do this to me? Injustice, injustice, injustice. And before you know it, how much time has gone by 
while the ego is sitting back filing its fingernails going, yeah, I'll let her stew in this one for a while because that one really bugs her. This will cost her a few years. And it did cost me a few years. Here's another quote about forgiveness. You will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and you feel the power to wish them well. It seems almost impossible, but it happens. It's happened to me where I went from just any time I thought of the people who had hurt me, the things that would come out would be so ugly, 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 ugly. Until one day I started to see the karma that people were suffering who had hurt me. And I realized that I didn't want to see someone else suffer karma because what they had done to me. Was it divine justice that was creating their karma that was hurting them? Yes, I believe that. I believe the universe, God, uh, the powers that be said, yeah, you don't get to do that to her. You don't get to do that. So you have to pay for that. And, and here is your lesson in as you sow, so shall you reap. And really there came a point for me where wishing someone well because of the fact that I actually felt bad for what they were going through. Even though they had hurt me, critically wounded me, I would have to say mentally and emotionally and otherwise, to be able to say, I hope they're going to be okay. That was huge. That was empowering. It's an amazing feeling. Another block is blame. Blame, 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 blame. In Soul of an Addict, which I'm finishing the final edit, one of the steps is to take responsibility for your life regardless of how you got there. Even though there's a million people that you can blame, especially where addiction is concerned, because you could have been in a family that was filled with dysfunction. You could have been physically, sexually, personally, mentally, spiritually abused. Lots of reasons why people use bad, bad, bad family environments, um, and then getting really pushed around or hurt. And in that case, blame kicks in. And if the ego can use blame, blame is one of the greatest weapons of the ego to keep people in addictions because we can keep looking at what someone has done to us and we can justify our behaviors, we can, especially drinking and drugs because it helps us forget pain. So if we just say it doesn't matter anymore, those things happened, but they're part of my story. So I'm just gonna let it go and I'm going to keep growing because it's part of my story. And as it's part of my story and I have things to share with the world, I am going to just let go. Because blame, blame, blame creates more pain that creates a reason to use. This was by Ann Landers. Hanging on to resentment is letting someone you despise live rent-free in your head. I loved that. How many times do you loop an experience that someone has done and you loop it in your mind over and over and over again because that someone has hurt you so bad that you just want to blame them. But if you're hanging on to the resentment, they get to live rent-free in your head. What an amazing concept. 
You achieve the wisdom to move forward when you no longer blame your problems or challenges on anyone else. Regardless of what has happened or how, you realize that you control your own response and your own destiny. Helena Royce. We can't control what people do to us, but we can control our response. And our response is everything. Our response shows the depth of our soul. It shows our warrior nature. It shows our ability to surrender fixation on their dysfunction that created what they did. And in the end, yeah, it's just absolutely up to us to make a decision on how we're going to handle what they've done. And the destiny's in our own hands. Their karma is in, is in the hands of the universe. So letting go is really important because blame serves nothing except to amplify an old, ugly experience that won't go away. Living in the past. This is by someone named Osho. Suffering is not holding you. You are holding suffering. When you become good at the art of letting suffering go, you will see that no one else other than you has control over your destiny. I love that because I can actually see my arms around the big word suffering. We hang on to suffering because it's another one of those things that gets us attention, that gives us a reason to whine or to drink or to drink wine. Um, in any event, it's something that is absolutely in our control because we get to decide how it affects our destiny, but we have to let go of it. We have to let go of the suffering it's causing us because we are hanging on to it. If somebody created an injustice in our world, we can't stop that they created that injustice, but we can choose how we're going to respond to it. And then we're set free because if we don't give it any energy, it doesn't have any life force. Our ego can't use it and neither can theirs. And that's a pretty great feeling. This is by Steve Maraboli. Letting go means to come to the realization that some people are part of your history, but not a part of your destiny. This is a really important quote because it has to do with a lot where relationships are concerned, in my opinion, that we can fixate on a relationship from the past. And it can be um, a love relationship, someone who's been in our life for a long time, and then it just ended. It can be our family relationships. It can be any type of relationship, but it's very relationship motivated. And, in, and there be someone's behavior, if we want them in our life any longer, but they've chosen to walk, we can't do anything about that. If we are hanging on to a lost love because we thought it was so awesome, um, that just holds us back. If we're hanging on to somebody who really doesn't want to be there anyway, what's the point? If we're hanging on to feelings that were negative or attached to people that we still are feeling resentment towards, we're also hanging on to something that needs to be surrendered because people come and go in our life as part of our history and what our life is about but they may not be part of our destiny. So they're supposed to come in and go away and then they're done. And when we do that, the block is removed. This is by Marianne Williamson. And she of course is pretty well known and she's got like a bazillion books that are great. Spiritual growth 
involves giving up the stories of your past so the universe can write a new one. And I really like that because if we keep hanging on to our past, the universe, the divine ones, the powerful ones, our advisors and goals and guardians, they can't help us write a new one. So we let go of the story of our past so that the universe can write us a new one. And it's a great feeling because the story of our past no longer matters anyway, because it's the story of our past. Complacency. Complacency is the calling of the ego. Its intent is to silence the voice of the soul. The ego's intent to silence a voice of the soul is 24-7, and it will use whatever it can. Complacency is one of the strongest because it is the most stealth. By that, it just kind of flatlines, and we don't really realize that it's negative. We just spent eight hours watching TV. Um, we're just kind of not doing any of our spiritual work. We're not eating our soul food. And our soul food is anything that inspires us and motivates us and creates dreams and ambitions and inspiration and, you know, the desire to want to become empowered to change ourselves and the world. And the ego will, nah, I don't really want to do that. Let's just hang out on the couch and watch TV. Or let's get into a relationship that goes nowhere. A relationship that just is like being in a squirrel cage. Let's just get into that relationship where we don't really grow together. We don't really have anything except, you know, we exist together and it's companionship is better than nothing. Or complacency can be a dead end job where we just say, I'm comfortable here. And there's a great quote that says it's a small step from comfort to complacency where we're comfortable. We make just enough money to be comfortable. We have a job that will probably keep us there until we retire. So we might just be doing that for 40, 50 years and then we're done. And then we can go live in a trailer park somewhere. And not that that's bad, but I mean, it's a matter of saying, I don't really need to grow. I'm just going to stay here in this complacent space. And in doing that, we're not moving anywhere. The ego constantly competes with the spirit for control over your inner voice. That's by Darren Johnson. The ego constantly competes with the spirit for control over your inner voice. It absolutely wants to get in your head. And it wants that inner voice, which is our conscious self that is doing life. The voice is talking to you right now. The thoughts you're having in your waking state, the conscious self, that's the inner voice that's, that's listening and making decisions. The spirit voice, the voice of the soul is constantly feeding positive, enlightening, powerful information. And the ego is competing with that self by doing just the opposite talking negative, telling us why we're not worthy, telling us why we don't want to bother, blah, 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 blah. It's a great quote because it's so true. Now we talk about fear because fear is huge. Fear is a big one for most people and it can be paralyzing. And the weird thing about fear 
is most of the time it's just the word. Fear is an event from the past that is brought into the present that amplifies a belief that something is seriously wrong, but it seriously isn't because it came from the past. It's already done. It's over. It's finished, but it's alive and breathing because the ego is fanning the fire, fanning the flame. The same with fear of being the fear of something that can happen in the future. Rarely is fear happening in the present. It's almost always happening in the past and in the future. I mean, once in a while we'll have things happening in the present, but most of the time the present is right this moment. And the stuff that we think we're afraid of are just things that we need to take care of. They aren't these monumental, ridiculous beliefs that we're going to be paralyzed and not be able to get it done. First quote is fear is static that prevents me from hearing my inner self. Very much like complacency, but it is static because it's a yakety, 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 yakety static about why you should be afraid. It'll bring pictures along with it too, whether it's memories, memories of things you've seen, memories of seeing your parents. A lot of times I've noticed that financial fears for a lot of people are connected with conversations that they remember hearing their parents talk about not having enough, not having enough, not having enough, struggle, 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 struggle. So that fear static and the mind dealing with money or not having enough money is a little kid that overheard conversations. And because they don't understand, they don't know how they're going to eat. They don't know who provides for them. So they just go along with whatever's happening in their family life. And so fear gets stuck there. Where are we going to live? Where are we going to go? Oh, we might lose the house, blah, 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 blah. People should be really, really, really cautious about what they say to people who are in their life, their kids, the people who are in their life that have a lot of need for success and strength and trust and belief in parents to feel secure. And if we're just yakking around and we don't realize that they are right there at this point in time, creating a reality based on what we said, that's going to be permanent in their head, we can do some serious damage. I mean, I see it all the time with my clients. I've wondered how many times I did that to my daughter. I know my parents did it to me unconsciously. Uh, Just having a dialogue that threw something really scary in there that for them is a conversation. It's just a conversation they're having. So if you have children or grandchildren or you're around other people's kids, always keep your dialogue positive and uplifting and, and not anything that can, that can brand their ego with the power of fear because of what it can do in the future. This one I've used before, I believe, but I love it. So I'm going to use it again. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. Les Brown. And it's so true. We're afraid to step out. The big block on our soul path to our dreams is we're afraid. And we start living those fears in our head. I can't because dot, dot, dot. I can't because I don't have enough money. I can't because I don't have someone else to help share that with me. 
I can't because I'm too weak. I can't because I'm too old. I can't because I'm too young. Dot, 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 dot. Living our fears. It's the negative chatter of the ego telling you why you can't live your dream. So just start writing down the negative things that the ego says to you and then write the exact opposite next to it. Asking the voice of your soul to guide you to talk down the ego and it will. Instead of saying, I can't because I'm not smart enough and you write it down and the voice of the soul will say everything is possible to those who believe and persevere. You can look up your own quotes to cancel out the negative stuff your ego says, if you wish. This is another Les Brown quote. Fear does not have any special power unless you empower it by submitting to it. And I love that because it doesn't have any special power unless we keep talking about it and keep thinking about it and keep wondering why it won't go away and how am I going to get past it? Just don't submit to it. Change the thought, change the affirmation, affirmation, read something that empowers you connect with empowered people, you know, do things that make you feel spiritually empowered. One of the reasons that we're doing this podcast in the first place is to help people become spiritually empowered so that we can mobilize together as a powerful light energy in order to take over that dark space that is hurting so many people, children and teenagers and adults, but all of us mobilizing in a consciousness of light and attunement will make a difference in this world. This quote, which is beautiful, I might have used this before. I've used it before in speaking, of course. Do not let your fears choose your destiny. It's that simple. If we let our fears set in, it chooses our destiny and our ego sits back and laughs. I win. I win. They froze up because they were afraid. So they don't have any destiny anymore. Um, Just think about that. Think about your ego. And as I've said before, and I'll get into this in more detail in another time, try to personalize it, give it a face, give it a body, give it, give it characteristics, look up evil characters, call it something, um, choose what it is, find something that you think is just ugly. Go to Lord of the Rings and grab one of the the negative characters from that. Or go to Harry Potter and grab one of the negative characters for that. Um, Look at it as as, you know, some kind of an ugly little gremlin that is just biting at your ankles. Or you can see it as as some kind of an awfully large warrior that needs to be cut down to its side. An evil warrior. You can choose to have it be anything, but find an image that you can actually fight. And that you can let your divine self fight because nothing is more powerful than the divine self amped up on divine light and divine wisdom. And when you start doing it that way, you can hear it as it creeps in and you can stop it before it gets any stronger. There are two other things that I'm going to talk about that have to do with 
blocking our path and that destroys our dreams. Addiction is by far the greatest destroyer of our dreams. And overcoming addiction takes tremendous courage because addiction becomes comfortable and familiar and it's hard to break away from. Once the ego has led you to the addict, the addict takes over and it's like you're in a noose and you're in all kinds of completely powerless places that can dictate how you do life. When in reality, when you let your soul in and you let your soul take over, you let the voice of the soul empower you and you access all the wisdom and energy of the divine planes, powerlessness turns into becoming empowered. I don't believe we are powerless over our addiction once we choose to get rid of it and we absolutely strive to let the divine self master our world. But we have to be able to understand what it means and what it's doing. This is by Abraham Tversky. After half a century in psychiatric practice, I know without a doubt that the source of addiction is spiritual deficiency. Irrespective of whether we are religious or atheist, all human beings are spiritual by nature and spirituality is the cornerstone of recovery. I love, 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 love that. And I absolutely believe that, that we are devoid of a spiritual essence. And that's why we get all screwed up with addiction because we don't see that there is something empowering and divine that is trying to guide our life. And so the ego gets pumped up on steroids and guides us to a pumped up addict on steroids. And there is no spiritual protection. So you have to seek anything that can align you with the power of your divine self and the powerful wisdom of the fact there is a divine self and there are entities that are incredibly powerful on the divine side that are constantly there to help protect us if we'll just listen. This is a wonderful, wonderful quote along the same lines, but super short. It's by a woman named Dorothy Soleil. With the disappearance of God, the ego moves forward to become the sole divinity. Now think about that. With the disappearance of God, which would be anything spiritual, however you call it, creator, great spirit, with the disappearance of that divinity, the ego moves forward to become the sole divinity. It becomes the ruler and the leader because there's nothing strong enough to fight it. So we must feed the soul and listen to the voice of the soul and activate and become inspired by things that empower us. And then we can push the ego back out of where it's taken up shop, where it doesn't belong. And then we can let the divine self cruise in and take over. And before we know it, we're getting more and more empowered every single day because we've moved this ego self off of our path so it can no longer block us from our goals, from our dreams, from our aspirations, and from God. This is a great quote, again, short, 
but important. Opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. This is what happens with the ego left unattended, especially where addiction is concerned. It leans on the doorbell. And we have to be able to take whatever action is necessary to get it off of our doorbell. And as far as opportunity may knock only once, when the power strikes and it says, I'm, an, I'm here to help you, take my hand, let's step out of this. You got to grab that hand and you got to move. Because when the ego starts getting dominant enough to be such a huge addict, it is going to continue to tempt you to walk down the path of addiction. And you have to fight it and you have to stay focused and you have to be empowered and you need to feed yourself with everything you can to empower your soul with the wisdom that aligns you with where you came from and who you are. The last three are on courage because courage is what it's going to take for you to bump these blocks off of your path. And even though I've done messages on courage before, we're talking about removing things off of the path that are destroying our dreams. And this is a great quote and, and it's really important because of, of how it's, of how it's spoken. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. I love that quote, not the absence of fear, because it wouldn't be courageous if there was no fear. If you didn't have fear, why would it be courageous to step through it? It wouldn't, but it does ask you to create a judgment inside that says it's more important that I take this next step than remain in this stasis of fear. What's more important than your fear? Lots of things, your kids, your mate, your health, yourself, your parents, your dog, your cat, people around you, the world at large, um, causes, everything is more important than your fear. It's just a judgment that you have to make that it's so much more important that you're going to act. I love this. This is by author unknown. Courage is looking fear right in the eye and saying, get the hell out of my way. I've got things to do. I love, love, love that. Courage is looking fear right in the eye and saying, get the hell out of my way. I've got things to do. Drawing your shoulders back and just saying, get out. Get out of my way. I have things to do. And that's a line you can use to your ego over and over and over because it's your ego that is generating the fear. We live in a time where our choice to become empowered to change is more important than it's ever been. We live in a time where the world consciousness and the mass negativity must be healed by those of us who can see the light, embrace the light, and call the light into our world as a living, breathing energy, where we take action on that light 
so that we can help this world be a better place, so we can break up the sludge that has become the egoic mass consciousness of this country and bring about the powerful healing light that is there in order to give us an opportunity to express from our highest possible consciousness so that the generations to come will live in a world that is not judgmental, that is loving, that is empowering, that is filled with abundance and life and wisdom. And we will know that we had a part that we played in all of that. But we have to stand strong, we have to stand tall, and we have to believe And it's very important that we see the things that the eagle will use as our Achilles tendon to block the path to our dreams. Because ultimately there are two voices that are pounding in our head. The ego, which is trying to lead us to the addict, and the divine self that is saying, you came here with a destiny. And with that destiny, you came with a toolbox filled with the same divine wisdom that Jesus had, filled with the same divine wisdom that every other prophet that was ever born has, that you are a divine co-creator with the universe and you are to mobilize with other people of the same consciousness to make a difference. This last quote is by James Adams. I love this. Seek out the mental attribute which makes you feel most deeply and vitally alive, along with which comes the inner voice which says, this is the real me. And when you hear that voice, follow it wherever it leads. It is the real you. The voice of your soul is the real you. Follow it wherever it leads. Ask for it to come to you. Journal when it talks to you. Ask it to guide you to the places you're supposed to be, the people you're supposed to meet. Ask it what you're here to do. Let it talk to you. It is the real you. It is the divine DNA, the offspring of the creator. And the little itty-bitty, teeny-tiny cockroach of your ego cannot stand up to the power of the divine self when you give it everything you've got. Your truth, your belief, and your energy. And once you do that, that's all the ego is, is a little cockroach just trying to mess up your soul path. And you get to say, nope, not this time. I'm done with you. I've got places to go and people to see and things to do. And then give thanks to the divine self who is guiding you there. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Peace be with you. Peace.